You're listening to episode 132 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today we're talking about eight things I'm afraid to tell you. (laughs) I actually got this uh, idea for the episode from Amy Porterfield's podcast, uh, Online Marketing Made Easy, a few months ago. I'll make sure to reference that over in the show notes so that you can go check it out. And it feels super self-indulgent, but at the same time, a lot of people seem to really, a lot of people ask me to do these types of episodes. And I also threw up a poll on my Instagram stories a few weeks ago about which episodes people wanted to hear. And this was one of the ones that people were asking for. So, um, giving the people what they want (laughs) and freaking myself out in the process. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, I talk about lots of vulnerable things on this podcast, but there's obviously many things that I don't share and and there always will be, but, uh, they're, there are some things I'm going to tell you today that I, I wasn't necessarily planning on sharing um, out loud, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so number one is I'm a little bit nervous about dating new people for the first time in almost a decade. If, if you haven't already listened to it, you can refer back to episode 117 about the infidelity and the affair that was happening in my relationship and why I, I ended things. Um, but yeah, I am a little bit nervous about dating for the first time uh, in so long, although not as much as I would be. Uh, initially, when I was still super deep in the healing side of things, I thought I wouldn't even have any interest in dating anyone for years, like minimum two years. And the healing process has been rather unpredictable. And I've, I've reached a point where I actually would be comfortable dating, um, if the right opportunity presented itself, I suppose. But yeah, it, it's, it's kind of on a case by case basis. And I, I never really considered myself to be the greatest at sort of the getting to know you kind of early phase of dating, but that's also sort of more of a mindset block and learning how to trust people again, is a big part of that as well. I mean, there's all kinds of work to do. And I know that the best teacher is going to be actually putting it into practice, which is the scariest part, but I'm certainly not in a rush by any means. Uh, it's just something that I am aware of and, uh, learning to trust my judgment of character of others more than I I, I'm, that's kind of the part that I'm focusing on more, even more than trusting other people. It's trusting myself more than anything else. And at the same time, the lessons that are sort of encapsulated in this whole experience and how I'm going to have to show up to practice them is kind of intriguing. And Additionally, which what I found really interesting here, I've started really noticing uh, since I arrived in Bali, these really strong intuition hits about certain people. Like for example, there've been uh, a very small handful of people that I've met here in Bali that I've gotten these super strong vibes that will have a significant impact in each other's lives. 
and being totally okay with knowing that I have no idea what that will look like and not attaching to outcomes. It could be like on a totally like purely professional level as well. It doesn't necessarily mean anything romantically or even on a personal level. And I'm fine with whatever comes with any of those interactions and just sort of enjoying the process. And it's, it's a really good practice for learning to tune into my intuition and really allowing that to lead me as well. Um, I've also been doing a lot of work in this area. I mean, therapy and coaching and just trying to show up as the best version of myself for me, not for anyone else. Because anyone else will be a bonus on my journey if I decide to invite them along and they'll need to be pretty fucking special to earn that invitation. <laughs> but yeah, so dating is, uh, that's an interesting one. And I've gotten a lot of questions from people about dating. So I thought that I would share a little bit of insight into that. Um, number two of things that I'm afraid to tell you is I've been a bit lonely the past year, uh, probably a little bit over a year, actually. I... I quit my full-time job in May of 2018. So we're going on about a year and a half since I quit my job. Um, and the transition from the, the transition to working from home and entrepreneurship in general, and the fact that many of my closest friends didn't live near my city in Ontario, um, not to mention the last six months of 2018, my former partner wasn't really around as much. Now the reasons for that have become much more obvious. Again, you can refer to episode 117. <laughs> and then the first portion of, of this year of 2019 has been spent moving through the grief of my relationship ending uh, for the first few months anyway, and really adjusting to being on my own. However, I'm also an introvert and an only child. And I really enjoy my own company. Like I truly enjoy my own company and actually require my own company and, and lots of alone time on a regular basis. But I can't deny that it's also been difficult at times. I really have just been lonely sometimes. But the irony to me is that I felt lonelier in the last six months of last year with my partner at the time than I have been since I ended things. It's far less lonely to be by myself than it is to be in a relationship with someone where you feel lonely. And I'm going, I have, I have an episode upcoming about that, about the difference between alone versus lonely. And I think it's a really important distinction to make. The other thing for me is that I've also really been forcing myself uh, in, in the past couple months since I left Canada to really step outside my comfort zone because I have this incredibly strong tendency to isolate myself, uh, especially when the going gets rough. And if, you know, I'm just kind of feeling out of sorts and all of those types of things, but I've been trying to step outside of that a little bit. So for an example, the other day I had just this, this moment of loneliness, I was standing at, uh, looking at the ocean and so appreciative for that moment in time. But I just felt this like wave of loneliness and I went against my instinct to isolate and instead pulled up my phone. <laughs> Your phones are good for some things <laughs> and messaged two to three local friends. And within 10 minutes I had more plans than I could fit into my calendar. And I had a great time. I had so many social plans with so many friends for several days in a row. It was an absolute blast and I'm so happy that I did it. Now my inner introvert is also like, okay, we need a little bit of time to chill. <laughs> that was a lot, <laughs> but I'm still really happy that I did that as opposed to isolating. And I feel a lot closer to some of those friends than I did before too, which is amazing. That's a huge gift. So it's sometimes we have to go against what our instincts are to learn about ourselves. So that's something that you can hopefully introduce into your own life as well. But 
I'm just giving you uh, a little bit of a view as to what I've been doing. Number three, things I'm afraid to tell you. Um, I have, I've spent so much time this year talking about myself, it feels like, to close friends and family and, and my situation because of the dramatics of it and everything else. And speaking about things in my own life now more publicly as well, it has felt really weird. And I get very uncomfortable when I feel like I'm totally overtaking conversations. And sometimes I'll try to change the topic very quickly with friends to deflect. <laughs> and sometimes they'll actually stop me and say, whoa, we're not done talking about you yet. And we have more to dig into first before we change topics. It's just been a really bizarre experience for me. Not only that, but trying to explain even the basics of what was going on in my personal life has felt exhausting at times. So much so that I, sometimes I, I just shut down. And this was more evident uh, when I was still in Canada and sort of like more in the thick of it. But there were multiple friends of mine who didn't even know that anything was going on in my life because I was, again, isolating myself and sidestepping questions and avoiding people because it was too mentally exhausting for me to start trying to explain what was going on in my life because there was so much happening. There was so much change going on. There were so many details that would have been asked and, and I completely understand why like people people would want to know from, from a genuine place of, of caring about me, like these people in my life, but I didn't have it in me. I was so mentally and emotionally exhausted that I couldn't, I couldn't find the energy to give any more of myself to anyone else, even when it was that they were trying to help me. It was, it was odd. And part of the other issue with that was then because there was there's typically been a lot of shock and a huge reaction to the news because of, again, the dramatics of the situation. I didn't feel like I could handle trying to walk them through their shock when I was in the middle of my grief and heartbreak and my own reaction to all of it um, and trying to process it myself. Some of the other issues with this and part of the reason why talking about myself this year so much has felt incredibly odd to me and very unnatural is again because the story is kind of so dramatic it often I often end up feel, feeling like I'm being held up as a victim and pitied and that is absolutely not what I want that makes me so uncomfortable I don't even know how to explain it to me my story gives me strength because of the way I've chosen to handle it it doesn't make me a victim and I will often do whatever I can to try and redirect the conversation in a more positive or constructive direction rather than just having it turn into like a bitch fest. But sometimes I also forget that the story really does have sort of a, a shock value to it just because of the length of time that, that these things were going on and, and all of that. And so if it comes up with someone who's never heard it before... <laughs> I'm so used to sharing it now, now more so than months ago, but I, I'm, I'm used to talking about it and sharing it enough now that when it does come out in conversation, I sort of give the one or two sentence explanation and start to move on. <laughs> and I forget that people are like, wait, what? <laughs> and they want to have greater understanding as to what went down. So 
the whole situation has just been a very strange experience for me, um, which also makes an episode like today where I'm again talking about myself feel super weird, but people seem to want to know these things. So if you have any feedback for me, <laughs> let me know if these are the kinds of things that you're enjoying. People seem to be, but if you would love for me to stop talking about myself, uh, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so feel free to, to message me about that, okay? <laughs> uh, number four of things that I am afraid to tell you. I have no idea where I'm going to live longer term. No idea. I'm open to various locations uh, across the globe, and there's a short list of some maybe stronger possibilities or contenders, but to go from what felt like absolute certainty about what my life was going to look like right now and for the, the next few decades um, to not knowing at all, it still catches me off guard sometimes. But at the same time, I also kind of love it too. I've never had that kind of uncertainty in my life before. And it's an enormous learning experience. And honestly, I think I needed some uncertainty in my life to grow. I think that all of us, that that is how we grow is from a degree of uncertainty. Certainly doesn't have to be this dramatic, but some degree of uncertainty, that is where we grow. That's that space where we have to learn and learn quickly, like learn on your feet because it, life is happening around you and you have to figure it out. So I've really been leaning into the entire idea of not having a plan and trying not to panic. <laughs> that I don't necessarily have a longer term plan. I often, I don't, but every once in a while I'll have this moment of like, holy shit, what am I doing? <laughs> and, but again, it's, it's an exercise in self-trust and I'm trusting myself to figure it out as I go. And so far it's worked really well. So we're going to continue to see how that goes. <laughs> and I will keep you guys updated on that progress. <laughs> uh, number five about things I'm afraid to tell you. This isn't really like things I'm afraid to tell you so much as um, I, I've never been more proud of myself than I have been this year. And it feels almost arrogant to say that, which is why I, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to put it out there, but it's, it's true. I have still gotten frustrated and annoyed with myself. I have still fucked up all kinds of times, of course, trust me. <laughs> I've been slow to act in some ways, particularly with my business. I've been pissed off when my mental health didn't catch up to where I wanted it to be as quickly as I wanted it to be. But I'm also more proud of myself than I've ever been. I survived something that I couldn't have dreamed up in my worst nightmares, and I came out on the other side. And it's both terrifying and exciting that I have no idea what's next. And again, I'm, I'm trusting myself to figure it out. But it's kind of like walking through fire. If I can survive what I've survived this year, and manage to fully thrive like never before, fucking throw whatever you've got at me life because I can handle it. <laughs> like I'll figure it out. <laughs> this, this theme of self-trust has come up regularly in my life more than ever before. And just leaning into trusting my own strength has been a huge part of all of this, everything that I've, that I've listed so far has essentially come down to learning to trust myself again. And that's something that I want for everyone. I want everyone to be able to trust themselves. I don't want anyone else to have to go through this particular experience to learn to trust yourself, but there's all kinds of ways where you can build some, some self-trust, more self-trust and really leaning into your intuition, into your own life as well. Number six, things I'm afraid to tell you. Sometimes Having an online business can feel like you need to be so-called on 
more often than I have felt able to give at times. Uh, yes, the trade-offs are still by far 100% worth it to me, but it's been very interesting navigating this, particularly the first portion of the year when I had so much going on in my personal life behind the scenes, I couldn't and wouldn't talk about on a public platform. Um, it's just sort of this, this constant self-induced pull to show up every single day, especially on things like Instagram stories or something like that. And I always try, I try to show my face every day on Instagram stories as well, because I think that that's also really important for connection. And some days I just have to listen to myself that, you know what, I, I just can't do it today. It's definitely been difficult, but at the same time, I still have a business to run. And sort of along these same lines, I, especially in, in the first part of the year, I was hyper aware of a small handful of people who were watching me from afar, especially on social media, who would love nothing more than to see me fail and struggle, particularly in the wake of ending things with my partner and the reasons as to why I ended the relationship. Um, especially after finding out the degree to which I've been tracked I, online previously uh, via social media and my podcast, even in my own home back in Canada, you can reference episode 117 and episode 118 about the dark side of social media and stalking for more on that. It's just made me more aware than ever about what I post, how I post it, and how I show up. And the reality of it is that it absolutely lights a fire under my ass to show up bigger and better than ever. So it sort of ended up having the opposite effect on me than it was initially. Initially, it was just making me want to hide and... Then I sort of got my ass in gear and thought, no, like there, there's such a small handful of people who want me to fail. Why would I let that stop me from what I know that I need to be doing? So sort of the campaign that I've adopted for myself is talk less, do more. Just, just take the action. You don't have to, to talk about all the action you're doing. Just Take the action, just do it and let people think what they want to think. It's kind of this like fewer fucks given campaign is <laughs> just talk about shit less and just actually do the stuff that you want to be doing and that you say you're going to be doing. Just do it. Don't waste time worrying about what everybody else is thinking about you. So that's something to think about and somebody that, that can, that can apply to all of our lives in various different ways. So I hope that you can take that and run with it in your own life, whatever it is that you're working on or whatever it is that you're feeling insecure about, just run with that, you know, do what you want to do because you want to do it and don't be quite so stressed about all those eyes that you, you think might be watching you to wait for you to screw up. In other words. Number seven of things I'm afraid to tell you, criticism can hit me particularly hard sometimes. Uh, from what I've researched, this can actually be a little bit built into my personality type. So I've done all kinds of different personality tests like the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, um, the, the Obliger, the, uh, like the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, all of those types of things. And a couple of the things that I have come across has sort of said that my, my personality type tends to take criticism very hard, very, very hard. Um, the thing is, is that logically <laughs> I see immense value in criticism too, and it can be incredible feedback to do better. And I have taken criticism before and really 
run with that, to do better, to be better, all of those different things. But I, I have a tendency to ruminate on and to take, you know, one negative comment and allow that to outweigh a hundred positive ones more than the average person. I feel like sometimes, and that could just be me. I, I, and nobody likes feedback necessarily. Nobody, you know, particularly enjoys it. Um, but it, it can be paralyzing when we let it overtake us. And this is especially tricky in the online space when you're already opening yourself up to all kinds of anonymous strangers. And we've all seen how people can sometimes behave on the internet when they're anonymous and hiding behind their laptop screen. But especially, this can be especially difficult when I'm posting about things as vulnerable, raw, and as close to my heart or the hearts of my guests as I do on this podcast, especially, and on my platform in general. Um, there was there was one comment made to me a little while ago about a, a short time ago actually about how this how the podcast was good but that the episodes were too long because some because a bunch of them were two hours <laughs> and I was uh, kind of deeply offended by it because out of 130 episodes I've had one one episode has clocked in at one hour and 50 minutes. Uh, it was an episode a few weeks ago with Christina. I'll reference it in the show notes, Christina Montalvo. And then I recently had another guest on, uh, last week, Tom McClelland and his hit an hour and a half. And if you've listened to that interview, you understand why it needed to be an hour and a half. And I couldn't cut anything out of that because it was just pure gold. So you can reference that one too. <laughs> but other than, other than that, out of 130 episodes, those are the only two that have exceeded 60 minutes. So I was just really annoyed by this because I thought, you know, that isn't the kind of criticism that I can take feedback from because I don't plan on my episodes being longer than 60 minutes in the future. Those were two one-off episodes that were a very specific set of circumstances and all those things. <laughs> but overall, my point is that I'm not for everyone and that's a good thing. But sometimes it just doesn't make criticism feel any better. So you have to really, and, and I have to sometimes really focus on the good and the, the people that reach out and, and say that, you know, something I have, I've said, or a guest I've had on or something like that has really touched them in a deep way. I need to really focus on that and remember that and carry that with me whenever I can, because it can be when we allow the criticism to stop us dead in our tracks it's only hurting you. And that is going to have a ripple effect because if you stop what you're doing, then think of all the other people who are going to not be able to have access to, to you and your voice and your amazing services or, or anything that it is that, that you do or offer. We have to take criticism sometimes with a grain of salt. That doesn't mean that there isn't immense value in it and that it can be incredibly helpful and positive in the longer term. But sometimes we have to look at the criticism for what it is as well. But that's, it can be a tough pill for me to swallow because I do sometimes feel like I get hit by criticism harder than some people around me. So that's something I'm working on. It's an ongoing thing. <laughs> Number eight of things I'm afraid to tell you. I am a procrastinator. I am a serious, serious procrastinator. And I really dislike that about myself because it stresses me. <laughs> it stresses me to such a huge degree. I seem to work best under pressure and with a deadline in place. 
and you know, a, a deadline that can't be changed. Like you have to have this done, Emily, by X date. And as I said before, I'm an, I'm an obliger. So on, on the four tendencies, I'm an obliger, which means that I also tend to function best uh, with, you know, uh, having to be responsible to someone or something like that. It's partly why I hired an assistant, to be completely honest. Shout out to Rebecca, because Rebecca is amazing. Um, but that is a big reason why I hired an assistant. And I told her that straight up front. I, I said, I need someone to report to because it's a big jump too. When you go from working in the corporate world for so long and most of us are raised with sort of like this employee mindset. One of my coaches, James Wedmore talks about this a lot that all of us virtually are raised with an employee mindset because it's just built into our culture. But then when you go the other direction and you're working for yourself and you only have yourself to report to, it's very easy to get sucked down this hole and not be able to be nearly as productive as you want or get, get as much done as you want to or things like that. So then it comes down to working with your unique set of traits and personality and all of those different things as opposed to against it. And one of the ways that I have found to work with my personality is hiring an assistant so that I have someone almost to, to report to. Like she needs me to get certain things done by certain times. And sometimes I still lag on them and that's something I'm still working on. And I, I'm always going to be working on that because I've accepted to some degree that procrastination does seem to just be part of me. But, and, and I don't really, I, I don't like that part of myself, but I'm trying to put things into place to work with it rather than against it. The other thing is too, is that moving through this really dark period of my life earlier this year also really woke me up to the fact that I needed to have some systems, processes, and people in place to help me run my business as well. So that when life happened and I needed to, to take a step back and to take time for myself, that I, I will be able to do so next time without worrying so much about how I'm going to pay the bills or figure shit out. So hiring someone like Rebecca, who is an absolute gem, is a big part of that. And I don't enjoy being a procrastinator. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily wish it on anyone because it can cause a great deal of stress, not only for me, but for other people who are waiting on me, like my assistant, like uh, Sky, my, my, uh, my web designer, all of those people who are waiting on me to get things done. And I'm the biggest bottleneck most of the time. So that procrastination can have a ripple effect on everybody else. And, and that's not something that I like about myself. So for me, it's been about putting things into place to work with it as opposed to just constantly struggling against it and hating on it and all of those things. I've accepted it. And now I just need to continuously find more and more creative ways to make it work for me, if that makes sense. So... I hope that this has maybe given you some insight into some things that you might not have otherwise known about me. Um, I don't necessarily love sharing things like this because <laughs> it does feel quite vulnerable, but hopefully now you feel like you know me a little bit better, which would be pretty cool. And we all have things that we're afraid to tell people. And sometimes just speaking it out loud and speaking it into existence can be really powerful and takes some of that fear out of it. Because when we can just acknowledge something for what it is, it can make a really big difference. So on Thursday, make sure to tune in Thursday because I am bringing on my very own coach. Uh, and this is my, 
I don't know if you'd call her my relationship coach, my personal development coach. She kind of does a few different things, but uh, her name is Emma and we have worked very closely together over the last couple of months and we will continue to be working very closely together. And she's sharing a huge amount about some, some really fascinating ways that you can use to completely change your life. And I am pumped to bring her on because she has been completely changing the course of my life. So I'm so excited to share her with you. You definitely need to tune in. Make sure to hit subscribe so that you don't miss it. It'll just get downloaded straight to your phone. That way you'll never miss a thing. So I will bring Emma on on Thursday and we'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. I'm so incredibly grateful that you took the time because it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so that I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday with brand new episodes, and I am looking forward to growing with you. Bye.